We don't have to them. Okay. It's good to um it's good to see you guys, you know, because I don't know you. So it's like awesome <laughs> to have that. And I'm gonna put my headphones on because it gets uh a That's little bit um all right, so I have you guys recording, just so you know. Okay. Um, now, headphones right now, I could probably find them. It's, it's oh, you don't need them. I think, I think if we have it, it'd probably help enough. You don't need it. Yeah, I don't. I only need it just to hear you guys, like, because um, my speakers on my laptop aren't great. But thank you guys for having uh, or for like <laughs> joining me today. Uh, my name is Monica. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, awesome. So, um, yeah, so the podcast is basically just, um, like my idea for it was, you know, you, you hear a lot about mental health, um, in the news, but you don't always hear it like in a good way. Um, you hear about the stuff that happens that's horrible. Um, and then sometimes a discussion is opened up about mental health and hindsight, but there's so many people that go about their days like every single day that have mental health problems or not even problems. We just all have mental health things that we're all managing and getting through the day. Um, so this podcast is me just trying to give people a voice um, and talking a little bit about that discussion. Um, I wanted to have you guys on the show because I've been following you on social media. I know you guys are like putting in the work um, and it's a crazy pivotal year um and i just being from scranton i thought it would be really great to talk to you guys um so if you guys wanted to just tell me a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about um you know the organization and what you guys are doing in scranton right now eileen you want to go first no savannah so you i think you go first and then i'll just back you up <laughs> Uh, my name is Savannah Drummond. I am 21 years old, born and raised in Scranton. Um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about myself. Uh, <laughs> but Creating Change um, FTP is for the people. We're a new community organization. We kind of started uh, June 5th, I would say, is our official day. So we are very new. But um, immediately, we're just into like putting in the work, getting stuff done. We started off organizing a lot of protests. And it's kind of just progressed into what we are now with the workshops and stuff. A lot of those projects, um, Eileen, like, initiated. It's things that we talked about. Um, she's a lot more – she's a lot better with the technical stuff than I am. I kind of go out and talk to people. Um, I, I'm the founder and, like, lead organizer of, of the Creating Change organization. Um, but uh, Eileen and I do pretty much everything together. Like, we make a lot of decisions together. We're probably, like, the two – main people in the organization um yeah as far as like details and the branches and stuff um eileen's better with words than i am so i'll let her explain a little bit more in depth for you there it's really really nice uh collaborative relationship i think like as soon as savannah and i met and had a few meetings we were like okay yeah we're on the same page and like everything we talked about we're like yeah okay let's do this like let's do this <laughs> that's so, nice that's nice to come across you know <laughs> Um, because at first, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to follow the lead of other white folks in the community, honestly, because I thought the best way that I can be of service in this movement um, is to listen to what black folks actually need and are saying and just follow their lead, like, um, 
someone that we work with, actually we're hosting a workshop with Charisma Jefferson later today, but she said something that is just stuck in my head. She said, um, yeah, take the, or pass the mic and take a seat. And that's exactly what, yeah, Yeah. that's exactly it. (laughs) Yeah. So I can, I, I, I agree. And, um, I think like for me in the podcast, like, uh, when all of the protesting started happening, um, I didn't really feel like doing the podcast anymore in a way because I felt that exact way like I felt like there were other people that needed to speak up um so I actually took a step back and um I'm trying to give other people voices um and there is a a balance that we need to strike in this country that is not we haven't gotten there and it's sad because I know a lot of us are like wanting to be there and we're not yet um I guess how did you guys meet each other then like how did you guys get to sit down with each other and kind of find that in each other um I'm trying to remember how did we meet (laughs) I was just starting like I was looking for ways to get involved I was trying to like figure out what was going on in the Scranton area and I'd kind of been in contact with other groups that weren't in Scranton and I just remember her name came up and I was like all right well I'm gonna try to meet this girl because she seems like she knows what she's doing yeah (laughs) so uh Savannah do you want to tell me then like a little bit about the work that you have been doing like not just now but in general yeah so well a lot of it honestly did start like recently. Um, Also just to preface uh, because Eileen was talking about like following black like people and stuff like that leading the way um, because people aren't going to see what we look like. (laughs) Um, I am a black queer woman. Yeah. Just so you know. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So um, Eileen, I believe we started messaging because we were working with an a kind of, I kind of met her through another group chat, um, another group, and I reached out to her personally because she was, she started the Wilkes-Barre petition for um, the statue to be taken down and be replaced with William Thomas. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is how it, yeah. 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 I remember now uh, when you said that. And um, from there, like, we just kind of collabed. We set up a day at Nayog Park. And we just met and talked about how we felt about things, what she was doing, because I kind of really wanted to take that initiative, like take that initiative and kind of help with that and push with it because I've been going to protests all over NEPA um, before we were a hundred percent official. And um, like the organization, it was, it was literally just me. Um, and so when I met Eileen and we decided that we wanted to work together and stuff like that, um, we, we kind of just like, things started happening very quickly from there because Eileen already had a lot of ideas. And as I said, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really good at the technical type stuff or the wording that much. Um, I didn't, not that it matters too much, but I didn't go to school or anything. Don't really plan to like after high school, I just did my own thing and stuff. Um, so I don't know a lot of technical terms. <laughs> I, I, I so, get it though. Cause I'm like an artist and yeah. I know nothing of the art technical world. So I get you. Yeah. 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 That doesn't mean you, that doesn't mean like you're like spirit's not there and you're not like breaking back. Sometimes I think it's better <laughs> like, because you don't have that. Like, I don't know. That's cool. You yeah. get to bring your own voice into it. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah, we got together to discuss a Columbus statue initially, and it turned into this, like, oh, 
have you also like thought about the prison industrial complex? Have you also thought about like the black maternal health crisis? And it just turned into this whole thing where we're like, we need to, yes, we need to remove symbols of, you know, colonization and white supremacy from our public spaces, but we also have a whole system of racism that we need to address and let's, let's get to work. So that's kind of how it all started. And what, um, what Savannah was saying about, you know, she doesn't, maybe she doesn't know like all of the technical terms or whatever. Neither do I, like we're all just learning. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I, that's true. I mean, we are all just learning. <laughs> we're all just learning together and it's fine. Um, and so like, I, I think that that subtle shaming of people who don't have a, a bachelor's degree or whatever, just the subtle shaming of people who don't have the same level of education as others. That's part of systemic racism. That's part of the problem. Like it's so all of our conversations, we try to just be inclusive of everyone and be um, respectful. It doesn't matter where you're coming from or where you're at. We want to meet you there and we want to ha have that conversation. And that's how you create change. And so what are some of the workshops that you guys have been planning? Because um, that's pretty cool. And yeah, what, what, what are they, some of the things? Um, so some of the workshops that we've had for August, we did eight free workshops. We still have a few that are uh, remaining on the calendar. So they've all been held in Nayog Park for the most part. Um, today, we're actually doing an online workshop to try to get as many people in on the conversation as possible. Um, but they've all been totally free, um, socially distanced, masks required, and they've covered topics from gender and sexuality to environmental racism and environmental justice. Uh, we also have talked about, we have one coming up on local abolitionist history because mm -hmm. that's kind of like a, a little known piece. Yeah. Of our history. We should right. totally be part of. Um, and then also we just had a workshop on decolonization and indigenous rights and okay. giving the land to them. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the um, environmental racism? Because that's a term that I really haven't heard. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So environmental racism is basically defined as, I don't know, where do I start? Okay. So in addition to like, we've been giving a staggering climate change timeframe. So mm -hmm. we have about a dozen years to address it effectively until something called runaway climate change happens. And then it's just like past the tipping point, essentially. So in addition to that, we now know that um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, BIPOC communities stand to take the hardest hit. It's just, it's statistical at this mm -hmm. point. It doesn't matter um, if they have an above average income in their neighborhood. It literally, it doesn't, it's not affected by, um, Education is not affected by income. It's not affected by anything. It all seems to boil down to race. So um, in order to address like the climate change problem, it's the biggest problem we've ever had to face as a species. Like this is gonna, this demands all of us. So we need to bring all the voices to the table. Um, 
the whole point of the workshop was that, you know, the future of environmentalism is inclusive. We need an intersection of racial justice, feminism, LGBTQ plus rights. We need that unification if we're going to effectively address this. So, okay. Um, Thank you. And it means justice for the people. Thank you so much for explaining that to me. I actually, that's one thing I didn't know, but I do know a lot about uh, economic differences. Um, I lived in Milwaukee for a while, and I definitely top four um, most segregated city in the United States. And I didn't understand why. Like, I was so confused. Because coming from here, you just, I mean, not that we don't have it here, so I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, I felt like I went back, like, a hundred years, and I didn't know why. I did not know why, and, like, I have chills, and, like, it's hard to talk about, and it's hard to even, I mean, when I had that experience, I had, I don't want to say racism near me, I just could tell that there was anger towards uh, any white woman that walked into that part of the city. I don't even know if I'm right. I'm saying it the correct way. So I apologize. I really am like, I'm just a genuine person, but I know that I am raised in the system just like everyone else. So like, I'm willing to accept that. And uh, my experiences were a lot of anger directed towards me because I was working selling tobacco in um, inner city. And I didn't understand the anger and I took it personally. Like I'm like sitting here, like everyone hates me. Oh, okay. Okay. Have a a white girl complain about how everyone hates her and then see how far that gets you for good reason. Right. And so that led me to all to find out why. And then you look into the housing market and you look at how things have been over time (laughs) systemically set up to set up these yeah social economic hardships for people and it's just honestly not fucking fair and then um there's so much hostility and it's hard to get past it i mean it's get hostility on both sides yeah there's a wound in this in this country that that of course that's going to have um echoes in our mental health and in our in our community's health and, and and all of that because there's a wound that hasn't been healed since since before the Civil War. Since 1619, this wound has been festering, and it, it hasn't properly been looked at. Like, people are still afraid to acknowledge racism. People are still afraid to, to talk about it and to ask uncomfortable questions. So how are we supposed to heal ourselves and our communities if we can't actually just be real about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that one thing about environmental racism is that racial discrimination in environmental policy making is part of that. It's the it's in the enforcement of regulations and laws, but it's also the targeting of communities of color for toxic waste disposal and where they put the polluting industry and where they put the the factories that are making people sick. You know, they don't do it um, in the nice white neighborhood. And it there's you know, so there's so many levels to that, but like that was um, I just like to point out, like when you were saying how you upset and stuff like that, and 
like your feelings on everything is valid. Everyone's angry and everyone hates each other or hates themselves right now. <laughs> it is how it is. It's always been that way. And um, you have every right to feel like, uh, like targeted or upset about it because I feel that way about literally everything, not just because I'm black, but being a woman, being alternative, being queer, wow. like everyone hates me for something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's perfectly okay, like as a white woman to still feel those feelings. What we have to realize is that don't feel them toward like the negativity toward each other. So yeah. um, quick, like promo real quick. I'll be doing a TED talk in November and this awesome. is literally what I'm going to be talking about is how we're all, we're all taught and made to be angry at one another and blame one another for the problems and what's going on and what has happened to us as like people of color, but also like white people are victims too of the system. You guys are robbed of education and like so many resources just because they want to keep people of color in a certain place or in a certain area. Like, we're all allowed to be angry. We just have to be upset at the same, we have the same enemy and we have to recognize that and attack that enemy not attack each other. Yeah. So. I, I feel that it's like almost like in a relationship, like when I'm in a relationship with somebody, it's like, are we attacking each other? Like, is the other person the problem or are we a collective mm-hmm. fighting the problem? So like, it's like, you're right. Like I get what you're saying there. That makes sense. I mean, imagine our racialized society as a machine right? That's the yeah. racist structure. It's a machine. And we're all gears in that machine. Whether you're black, non-black, whatever, this machine produces all sorts of racism. So it could be police brutality, but it could also be stereotyping. It could be housing denial. It could be environmental racism. As a gear in the machine, you're either actively getting in the machine's way through policy change and anti-racism work, or you're sidestepping conversations about race. You're staying out of politics. You're just passively turning along with the machine. So race is you know, not political, by the way. What's that? I said, I said people like to, I know you're not, but people like to make race and human rights political. That's not, like, doesn't I, it? Yeah. Like, race no. is not a Democrat agenda. <laughs> BLM is not a Democrat agenda. It doesn't belong to either party. It belongs to people of color. If you're a person of color, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you are supported and talked about in BLM. It is that's just what it is. Yep. So can I ask then, like, um, so you guys have had all these workshops, so I can tell you've had a lot of uncomfortable conversations. I don't even know if you guys seem pretty comfortable, (laughs) but I'm sure there's been things said um, either towards you or people uncomfortable asking. I mean, I'm one of them right now, so we can just admit to that. So, like, how what's your advice for people? Like, how do we overcome that? Like, how do I as a person overcome my fear of, frankly, being an asshole? I mean, at this point, I think a lot of people just don't want to be assholes. And like, I'm one of them. But sometimes I feel when I'm trying not to be an asshole, I actually become more of an asshole. So like, it's like, how do you overcome that? Um, I feel like, why? Okay, so who actually wants to be uncomfortable? Right? No one. So if a certain conversation that comes up pretty often is talked about, like all of the time and surrounds you makes you uncomfortable. Your goal then should to be, why am I uncomfortable talking about this? Why am I having, why am I uncomfortable watching the news, 
like being political, like doing whatever, like why does that make me uncomfortable? Like race shouldn't make you uncomfortable. The fact that it does kind of shows right there your bias, your prejudice and your racism, whether you're like white, black, whatever it is, like if you're uncomfortable talking about race, that right there shows you the problem. So when you have a problem, you find the solution. Like that's just, it is what it is. So until we have these uncomfortable conversations and talk about these things that make people uncomfortable, we're never going to get comfortable. And when someone's uncomfortable, they normally solve that issue. So that's why we're having these workshops and holding these um, online events and getting involved is because the more uncomfortable that we make people, the more comfortable they're going to get. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So at first, when when everything first went down um, with George Floyd and all the protests started just like erupting all over the country, I started just having like uncomfortable conversations with other white friends and that is the only like now I'm so comfortable talking about it now I'm so comfortable saying yeah everyone's a little bit racist because we've all been socialized to be this way and like let's talk about it that's the only way to get comfortable is to just keep like leaning into your discomfort and keep asking questions and the only way that you're going to be an asshole is if you refuse to listen I also think it's like an ego thing too because it's like nobody wants to like admit that they are prejudiced no one wants to admit that they are they do have these racist tendencies like nobody wants to admit that and so for you to say like to me straight out like it's uncomfortable because that's the exact issue like Mm -hmm. that's gonna that eats at your ego like you're like wait no fuck i'm not racist no but Mm -hmm. you are we all are we're all raised in this system so um that even just this part of this conversation has been already extremely valuable to me. So thank you. Um, I also thank you guys for the spirit that you guys have, because it's nice to be able to have the conversation and not have people angry at you because you don't know exactly how to articulate the things that you're feeling. So I really appreciate that. It's really And, and I welcome those conversations with, with people who, who aren't quite ready to step out of their discomfort zone and into the learning zone, I'm here to reach my hand out and say, I see you. Come on. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, just join and like, me, you know, yeah. like, don't be, like, don't be, don't be afraid either. Like to, so my, I'm mixed, right? So, my mom's side of the family is, is all, like, white. And a lot of them grew up in, like, Sayre, Bradford County area. And uh, it, out there, it's very pro, pro-Trump, pro pro-Confederate flag, Blue Lives Matter, like, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, so out, out there, where was I going with this? Why did I bring this up? Okay. So a lot of my family, I'm black, right? I led a lot of um, protests in the area. I even led a protest out there. We have a chapter in Bradford County because of this. My, a lot of my family reached out to me when everything was happening and asked, like, what do I do? Like, am I racist? What's, what's wrong with me? What's my problem? What's the issue? How can I help? What can I say? Et cetera. And um, the, the fact that you're coming out and saying something 
it's already a step in the right direction. You won't always be met with positivity. You might have some people be pissed at you for asking. But the yeah. fact that you're going to ask and you're trying is the most important thing. Because not saying anything at all, I'm sure everyone's heard this term already, silence is violence. Silence means you're helping the issue and you're, because you're not saying anything. Like mm-hmm. white people are a major part in this movement and in what's going on right now, because white people who are racist only listen to other white people. Yeah. I can go up mm-hmm. and show them all the facts and they don't care. They don't give a shit because I'm not a white person. They already don't like me because I'm brown. You know, like I don't have anything to offer to them in their eyes. Can so, I ask you, um, can I ask you like the mental health component of that? Like you've had that in your life. Like what, how does that affect your mental health when people treat you that way? Well, I, um, I saw, uh, I don't like saying suffer because it's a part of me and it's, I don't believe that mental illnesses are a problem. Um, I have B- PTSD and bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like bounced around to have ADHD, but then I've also been told that ADHD has similar traits to bipolar. So, you know, I've had many different things thrown at me, said to me and stuff, but I identify most with those two and I have been diagnosed um, before. So um, I've always had things that I've dealt with just personally. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize until the murder of George Floyd, like how much all of the things that we've talked about, like feminism, like BLM, um, environmental justice, mental health, uh, LGBTQ+, how all that stuff affected me when I was younger, because I always just thought that something's wrong with you anyway. Like, you're sad all the time. You want to die. You're, like, angry now. But wait, you're, like, really happy today. Like, it's a good week. Like, what's up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I always thought something was wrong with me. So I never really thought of the outside effects of these things and how it interacted with my mental health um, because I was just so caught up in my mental health. Um, up until this year with, um, like I said, June 5th was the official start of creating change. Um, I didn't even really think about these issues too often. I knew they were there and I was aware, but I was just so caught up in, um, my own like depression and like self hatred and crap that I couldn't even really focus on outside issues outside of myself or anything. Like COVID was definitely one of the best things to ever happen to me because I probably know myself better than I've ever known myself. (laughs) Yeah, same, same. (laughs) Yeah. So I can't really. So how did it affect you? How did it affect you this year? Like what did it bring out in you? If you don't mind sharing that, you don't have to, but if you don't mind. Uh, COVID? COVID? No, like George Floyd and the protests and um, everything. Cause you said it didn't, you didn't even like realize that this could affect you until this year. So. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I always knew it was like, like yeah. I said, I have everything against me. Like I'm black, I'm queer, I'm alternative. Like I'm a woman. Like I've always known these things, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, it's just this year I actually was, okay, I got okay enough and comfortable enough with my mental health to look out, to look at outside problems. Okay. Other- Okay. Okay. And then, so what would you, um, can you give advice to somebody like of how to obtain that? Like, if you, like, what did you do this year? Like what, how, like, how'd you get to that place where like you kind of were able to step outside yourself? Um, so I'm, I don't have a therapist. Um, they're expensive and I don't have insurance as most people don't. (laughs) Um, so that's therapy is a luxury, sadly like help for your mental health is a luxury and I'm not medicated or 
anything like that. Um, so the way the point I've reached has been purely just 100% me and dealing with myself and being alone and having to face that. So, I mean, as, a, as advice goes, like, I feel like everybody deals with things differently and affects things affect you differently. But the most important thing is to know that every single feeling and thought that you have is 100% valid, even if it is because of your mental health. And you know, mm -hmm. like, if you recognize you're having a sad day because your um, bipolar depression is just hitting really hard, like, that's 100% valid. You're allowed to be upset, and you should yeah. say that, say it to yourself, and, like, accept it. The more yeah. you accept um, the things that are, like, quote-unquote wrong with you, according to society, the more comfortable you feel and the more you'll realize that it's not wrong. You just have a little bit harder than everybody else. Yeah. And, um, yeah. The sooner you look at it that way and think about it that way, the easier it'll be to find solutions and find people who can relate. I, I like I've never had friends until recently, and it's only because I'm so in tune with myself now and accept myself and my mental illness that I was able to talk to other people or even listen to what anybody else had to say. Because <laughs> I was like, get over yourself. Like you know, you're. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> That's really cool to hear. That's awesome. Yeah. And how about, oh. how about you? No, um, I also struggle with depression. And I, my close friends and family know that I have my dark place and I go to my dark place. And I, you know, it's, it, it's very real. And it's okay to talk about it. It's not a character flaw. It's, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you as a human being. It means that you are a human being. So the only, like, there's nothing wrong with your feelings. There's nothing invalid about them. The best thing that you can do for yourself, which I think is what Savannah was saying too, is like, just sit with it, honor mm -hmm. it, and acknowledge that it won't always be this way. And yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's it's interesting. Like, so I've I've had the struggle of dealing a lot with my therapist and and asking about bipolar because my moods are they're not they don't follow a rhythm. And so it's only this year that I've gotten into astrology. And um, this astrologist, this is so strange, was like follow the moon pattern and where the moon is in the sky. And oh. I've been doing that. And it's like crazy how it's in a certain house and it dictates my moods. And I'm like, okay, like game changer yeah. in such a strange way. Um, but it's stuff that you don't even know. Um, but to speak to again, what Savannah was saying, like, there are days where you just have to accept that like the plans you had for the day are not the plans you're going to have. Like you might be sad and like you might not even have a good reason to be sad and you get, and you just have to let it happen. You know, you have to have like grace with yourself in that way. You, I think that's really, really awesome that you've become um, more connected with like the movement of the, of the planet. <laughs> yeah. Because First of all, we are 78% water or something like that. Like, we are very much affected by the moon. I know personally um, that I'm not diagnosed, but I I recognize my own patterns. Yeah. My mother is diagnosed bipolar, so I do have yeah. – I can see, I can see that in myself for sure. And I have noticed that when the moon gets full, I get, like, super – Piper. I'm up all night taking uh -huh. things off my to-do list. I'm like buzzing around like a bee. 
and yeah at the other end of like when <laughs> yes like mm, I just want to like meditate and reflect and like nobody I know I was gonna I always say I'm a reverse werewolf because like when the new moon comes out like I actually get kind of crazy like oh, I think I need the moon there to like show me like what I'm supposed to be doing and when it's gone I have no idea so I'm like a reverse werewolf somehow but yeah. <laughs> so um so what um, do you guys oh go ahead oh I just wanted to say uh before when you mentioned how like so I believe like a lot of it with mental health and actually just everything in general is all about language. I think language is very important. The way you say things to yourself and other people um, is so, so important because it changes your way of thinking. So when you, when you said um, like how you get upset and you feel like you're upset for no reason, uh, when you say that, instead of thinking of it as, oh, I'm upset for nothing right now. Like there's literally nothing going on. I have to accept that. If you know that you suffer with depression or bipolar and stuff like that, you do have a reason. Like, oh. it's like, oh, I'm upset right now. And it's, I'm upset for no reason. No, you're upset because you have an imbalance and some things are just harder for you to deal with because you're bipolar and that's how it is. Or because you're oppressed and that's how it is. And when you say that, it's like softer and kinder to yourself. I love that. And it, and it also, when you talk to other people and say it to other people, it kind of has them think about it differently. So they're not like, oh, this person just gets upset for no reason all the time. Like, what the heck is wrong with them? Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's just so important because I used to think that way and say things like that too. And essentially it is the same way of thinking, but when you say it in that gentler way, it really like- It's giving helps. yourself like grace and self-love. And like, you would say mm -hmm. that to your friend, like, that's amazing. Cause you're right. Like even you, you just said it, like, you're like, and when you tell other people that, but that's what you were just doing to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I love that. So that's yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And also, can we talk about the value of self-care? Because when I first heard that term about a year ago, I was like, oh, I care for myself. <laughs> I'm still alive. So, like, that's bullshit. But then, like... <laughs> But I've slowly come to realize because my partner is very like he does. He is fortunate enough to be able to see a therapist once a week. And he's like in the process of unpacking all of his stuff. And he has just been talking about self-care like for for so long now. And at first I was like not taking him seriously. I was just like, oh, OK, so yeah, I know it does. It sounds weird. Yeah, but it does sound weird. But then I once I dropped that judgment and I actually was like, well, maybe I'll just try it out. And I just did like a little thing for myself. And I was like, this is my self-care. And that little thing felt so good and and was such like a an affirming. It's a, it's a safety thing, too. It's like self-soothing. Like it, mm -hmm. it's a really nice way. I now use self-care as a way to mitigate like my own mental health yeah, when I'm definitely. feeling really depressed or when I'm just not okay if I step back and take care of my self-care looks different for everyone but if I step back and if I take care of my home space or if I get outside and get into nature or you know if I create or if I if I do whatever it is if I just like give myself a facial yeah, no. <laughs> I instantly feel that charge. I instantly feel that soothing 
energy. And I think I, that we were just raised in a way that none of us knew we could even do that. Self-care is like, um, it's an ancient practice that we've kind of like gotten, we've drifted away from it. In our oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that. It is like with Ayurvedic medicine. Um, I now I don't, I'm not an expert, but um, the for example, like the practice of um, applying oil to certain parts of your body and massage therapy and stuff like that. That's just something that we used to be taught in all different cultures. But we used to be taught how to take care of our our bodies the same way that we were taught to take care of our souls, and the same way that we were taught to essentially take care of our complete selves, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that's something that we've kind of lost. And this whole self-care trend, if you want to call it that, is really like a coming back to getting in touch with yourself and filling your own bucket so that you can give to others. You know, it's that same idea. I love that. Yeah, I love it. And so how do you think it's changed your relationship with your partner since you've both been doing that? Like you both got on board? Yes, 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 yes. Because, um, because we both like we live separately. So we are now able to say, yeah, I have not really been there for myself, or I need to check in with myself or, um, you know, or I'm doing really great. Like, my, you know, I did this, this and this. Um, in around the house and yeah. I'm feeling good. Like we can, we now have the language to talk about it Yeah, because we're practicing this thing. And it's so, it brings, we both bring more to our relationship together because we are feeling more full as, as I want to say spirits, but as like, as people, we are yeah. feeling more full because we are tending to ourselves. I think boundaries are like another one of those things too that like sounds so weird at first and it's almost like scary or like why do I need boundaries like I'm not just perfect how I am like I need and it's not even about that like it's actually just like the person being like well if you don't do that then I won't get pissed off and then we won't have a problem and then you're like oh that's nice now I know instead of just like our self-care and that was another thing with boundaries he that was something he said to me at the beginning of their relationship too that they, I was like what what's a boundary I didn't even, <laughs> what is a boundary like I didn't I never I know it came though me too and I learned that I grew up without boundaries so that mm-hmm. is like that really brought everything into perspective but at first I was like what what even is a boundary I don't get this mm-hmm. I don't get it I don't like boundaries. <laughs> but now it's like now I understand that boundary mm-hmm the create like holding your boundaries is a form of self-care it's like you know if I don't get enough oxygen I'm going to pass out that's a physical boundary that your body creates that boundary by itself right yeah so we need to be able to create our own emotional boundary or whatever you need to it's there's nothing wrong with it it's actually kind of great I know it helps a lot (laughs) it's about respect like it's about self-respect like I'm nope like I'm not gonna put up with that I'm that's my boundary that's my line like yeah yeah it's awesome well I wanted uh Savannah I wanted to ask you about so you said you were like you've um planned so many protests so like I kind of wanted to just ask you a little bit about your philosophy about protests like um which might seem kind of like a strange question but 
um, I guess, like, since you have organized them, like, what do you hope to see, like, in a protest? Like, what is your intention going into it? And what do you hope that it will, um, like, what do you hope the consequence of having a protest will be? Like, what is your philosophy? There's got to be, like, a part of you that, like, has your own kind of, like, fire there or something. I don't know. Well, I feel like a lot of people have a negative. There's, like, a negative stigma around protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there always has been, which I find kind of funny. Like, I'm not big on, like, American history, but I'm pretty sure that's how we got most of our rights. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little confused as to why people get so angry, because protesting is literally one of the most American things that you could do. Um, so, you know. Um, yeah, but yeah. As far as my philosophy and stuff behind it, um, uh, that's a little bit of a tricky question, but I'm going to answer in a way that I, I feel like I think is answer is answering that question. So when the protests and everything around here first started happening, like Scran, like nothing happens here. Like shit, nothing, man. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. We don't talk about stuff. And the biggest thing that we show around here is whether you're an American, if you were part of the military or honoring a veteran, and being a Republican, that's like the only things of representation that I see literally everywhere and anywhere, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a bad thing. Like, it's good to be patriotic. It's good to honor, like, military. My my great-grandfather was actually, no, my actual grandfather was in the military, and uh, um, I never actually got to meet him even. Uh, and, like, I have family who did that stuff and who is continuing to do those things. I have friends, like, people I've been with and stuff. So I have nothing against any of those things. Um, I don't agree with most Republicans or the Republican Party, but I also don't agree with Democrats. So protesting for me isn't trying to say someone's wrong in their beliefs or in their way of thinking. Protesting for me is to spread awareness. And that's how it started. After the murder of George Floyd, everyone knows the protests all over America started happening. Some of them turned into riots. Some of them had um, white supremacists, antagonists, anarchists come in, take over and make the movement look bad. Um, make protesters look bad and that's not what we're doing here and I don't necessarily think that's wrong either to an extent mm-hmm. which I, I'll, I'll explain um, after after I get to this point but here the protesting started happening because we just wanted to spread awareness and show our support for the murder of George Floyd and the fact that the people who contributed to that murder needed to be arrested and charged That's why we started protesting here. That's why everyone was protesting everywhere. It kind of evolved. Um, It went from that to we started talking about Breonna Taylor. We started talking about the other people whose lives were lost and what happened. Then it made us look at our communities, like our local areas and what's happening here. So we're based in Scranton, but a lot of protests and things that I've went to besides Scranton um, is Wilkes-Barre. Uh, Wilkes-Barre has protests often and still does, I believe. Um, I went to Hollandsdale for a lot of protests, too. Like, they're pretty consistent in those areas. Here we've kind of lost steam, which is why we've moved away from protesting a bit, because a lot of people, I think, got bored. Um, Things are opening back up now. So a lot of people are kind of, you know, forgetting what, why we held protests and why we were protesting to begin with. A lot of protests have turned into events. So what we've done with creating change and what I've done with the protests that I've hosted or um, helped manage or created myself is we've evolved from spreading awareness and talking about justice to reflecting on our local government 
um, and spreading, uh, holding protests just to educate on what's happening locally, what we can do, and these are the things that are going on in the world right now, to holding events, educational events. We had an LGBTQ plus for all black lives protest slash event. Um, it turned into an event and it literally was just all educational. We had council councilwoman Jessica Rothschild, she spoke there. Um, and we had various people from the community speak as well about their experience being part of the LGBTQ and how it relates to the Black Lives Matter movement, how we're both oppressed and we're all oppressed. And it turned into what it is now. I haven't actually held a protest um, probably in like a good month or so. I've been to some of them, but actually organizing some I have not. But I have helped people in other areas do so. We have a chapter in Bradford County and we have a chapter in Honesdale. Honesdale, the woman who leads it out there has is a well-known activist in that area. She's been doing it long before I recruited her with creating change for the people. And um, she still does it now. Every Thursday they hold protests out there and that's part of us. I'm not specifically organizing them, but I help come up with the concepts and the ideas of things that we talk about and things that we do there um, and things that can be done in their area. Uh, so protesting for me, like, I guess, is all about education. We've, we protest, we started protesting to spread awareness. Now that we have that attention, we need to educate people so that we can create effective change in our communities so that people know what the issues are and hold on to that. We need to hold people accountable. If someone, if someone in our government says they're gonna do something, we make sure they follow through and they do it. We hold them accountable. Because if we don't, who else is gonna do so? When are we gonna see this change? That's what protesting is for. Now, for the people who are afraid of riots and stuff, riots are not protesting. They are not the same thing. They're literally two different words, two different definitions. Look it mm -hmm. up. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> but I do I do believe a lot of the riots that were happening were started, like I said, by anarchists, um, people who are against the movement that want to make us look bad. There is evidence. I People are not going to like this, but police have started a lot of those riots. If you look up, literally do a quick Google search on the Internet. You'll find multiple videos of police officers literally vandalizing their community just to say it was the BLM. There's multiple videos on YouTube um, and like news outlets that covered these things. And as for some of the riots that happened in Minneapolis that people like when everything first started happening, how they started rioting and attacking the police system. If you're going to riot because you want to be heard, people love to quote MLK, right? Yeah. MLK said riot riots are the voices of the unheard the language true. yeah yes there you go you have the exact exact quote nice yeah. uh, and what it, that's exactly what it is that's what we yeah. were doing like yeah. you know what i mean like we're not attacking homes and we're not attacking whatever we're attacking the system that is oppressing us and yes. putting in this racism and putting in this division, that's what they're attacking. They're attacking the police station because the police are in the wrong and the police aren't arresting these people, aren't arresting the murderers. Right. Like they're they're not going around and attacking random things. The ones who are robbing businesses, those aren't protesters. The one that's burning down your local police station, probably the protesters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it follows yeah. the theme and it follows the movement. And it's not for fun, it's to prove a point because the people who are running this show are rich white people, rich white men specifically. Yeah. And those, and once their pockets start hurting, that's what's gonna make them listen and that's what's gonna cause a lot of the change. Um, as far it's as it's kind of sad. Yeah, it's pretty fucking sad. Society 
ultimately the people in power in this capitalist society are the people who are who have all the money. Mm-hmm. So when you put their money on the line, you're going to start to listen to the actual human element that's at play here. Do you feel like do you feel like this area has been receptive towards changing and towards getting being better? Like do you guys find that you're being inspired by what you see or you're being discouraged by what you see? I think I I think it's here. Like we have a lot of people who care here. A lot of the big grand protests that were held had hundreds and um, the one on the 13th, I probably had like a th- over a thousand people. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so it's definitely here. We have it here. It's been here. We didn't bring it here. It's always lived here. People just needed to know that it was. Mm-hmm. And that's what those protests did. Like, and like you can you can come out and stand in the in the broad daylight and say Black Lives Matter and it's okay. <laughs> You'll have people to back you up. Like you're not alone. And I know it seems like it. Cause like I said before, like around here, when you leave your house and you drive down the street, you see American flags, you see Trump <laughs> signs, you see oh, yeah. like blue lives matter. You see all that stuff and it can be really discouraging. Definitely. But we're here and yeah. we're here to back you up. And you guys no. are doing amazing work. I, I just do have to say, because uh, as far as like I know, like you guys are doing so much work, but it came from like you guys took off. Like, I don't know. Like you were one day for me, it was like you were there. And then all of a sudden it was like events and great. Yeah. And we're not we're not stopping. This is this we're this is a lifelong commitment. The work never stops. Like we started protesting because. George Floyd was saying, I can't breathe. But our voices, like breath is the is the engine behind your voice. And we all have breath. So we're gonna use our voices and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stand up and we're gonna speak out. And you can't just do that though. You can't just stand at the bottom of the mountain and yell. And then hope that somebody else continues up the mountain to get to the top. Like, no, you, 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 <laughs> there's a rallying cry and then you start marching up that mountain and mm-hmm. you grab whoever's next to you and you bring them up with you. And it might be harder for That's some cool. than others, and, but we're going to the top of that mountain. There's no, you guys rock. Oh my God. I love you guys. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to get ready to wrap up. But my final question to both of you um, is just, what does your ideal world look like? Like, say we could somehow have the dream and make it work. What does it look like? Savannah? Um, if we're talking realistically, we'll never realistically be in a perfect world. Like, there's no way to completely abolish racism. There's no way to completely get everyone on the same page. But what we can do is become more understanding and open as a society to accept these differences and be able to navigate them together to make like the concrete of our society better and more helpful for everyone. There will be individuals always that freaking suck and just refuse to be a decent person and accept the facts and see the world for how it is. But as long as most of us and us as, um, a community and stuff can be educated properly, we'll have a lot less of that. So a perfect world for me is just for everyone to be educated because I truly, truly believe that if everyone is just 
100% unfiltered and rawly educated, mm-hmm. there's so much like less space for misunderstanding, miscommunication, and all of this division and um, bias and prejudice. Definitely. And can I just like add real quick, like this is a recent thing. I This is actually one of those like, I feel like everyone has COVID moments where it's like something they used to be able to do, they can't do anymore. And it like irrationally bothers them. Like I had mine when I went to the library and like I couldn't go to the stacks because like it's closed off and I'm like tearing up. Like I always go to the stacks. Like, and you know, obviously there's bigger issues of the world. We just talked about them. Um, But I will say it was actually like a blessing in disguise because what I did was I saw the books that were out. And of course they have relative, um, like civil rights and I picked out a book I normally wouldn't and it was a like it was like a photograph um I'll have to I'll send you guys the name of it it was really cool it was like a photograph project um and they took a bunch of photographs from like different stories and um interviewed families that had um injustices to their families like a lot like George Floyd and I will tell you that I wept like a baby And um, so your point to education, it's like so true because we don't know the horrors like of what other people have gone through until we take the time to read them and to find out what they are and to really cry about them because it's, it's disgusting. Like it's like, there's no other way to say it. And like, but the thing is like, I could have, there were so many times where I'm like, why am I making myself sad? Which is a a really like egotistical thing to think. I try to push past those thoughts. Um, And then I was like, no, Monica, you're going to finish this book because these stories deserve to be read. Like they deserve to be told. They deserve to be read and we need to know about them. And how is that changing you? Because now you're out in the world looking at things a whole lot differently. You know, it's that's why education is so important. And that's why we've gone from protesting and we've switched into free education. We're going to educate everybody. It's not always going to be pretty. Healing is not always a pretty process. It's not always candles and bubble baths. Sometimes it's it's ugly crying and it's it's anger and it's really, really, really uncomfortable. But that's how we do it. You need everyone needs to be educated because you carry that with you out into the world wherever you go. When you learn about what racism is, for example, you're never going to go into a public space again and, and act the same way. It doesn't matter who you are. If you know better, you, you are better. Mm-hmm. And, and that I think Toni Morrison said, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And our um, no, who is that? Oh my God, is it Oprah? Um, definitely, I think Oprah definitely is on that somehow because she says that like sometimes too. Because but... I used to watch her every day after school. <laughs> I know. I think she was she was quoting someone. I remember. Her okay, saying, okay, I could see that. I could see that. My Angelou, I guess. Yeah. So Oprah was quoting my Angelou. Thank you, okay. Oprah. There we anyway, go. Anyway better you do better so like that's why we really believe in education um because there there will be i believe in our lifetimes there is going to be that shift like when more people know and accept a thing to be true then they they bring that into every career field that they go into they bring that into every level of government they bring that into their families so that's why it's so important to like that's how we liberate ourselves is we educate ourselves and we we just have have a little grit 
you know, sit down, get messy, and then yeah. move, move forward. So like what, what you said about what, what is our vision for an ideal world, I think it's, um, I just want to read like the vision statement that we came up with for creating change for the people. Um, creating change FTP believes in the power of all the people, not just the elite. We all have, we all have power inside of ourselves. So our work supports long-term restorative justice. CCFTP is here to abolish oppression and steer our culture toward equity and mutual aid. We believe in nurturing the collective responsibility of the community to feed, educate, and sustain itself. I think that's the world that I want to see, that if we have a community, it doesn't matter where it is, it doesn't even have to be in America. I just want to see communities everywhere that are able to protect and sustain themselves. You know, it, mm-hmm. I want everyone's voice to be heard. I want everyone's health and wellness to be um, held dearly. And I want, I personally want to see more of a return to the community caring for its own like grow your own food yeah um grow your own food have the have the elders raise the little ones like yeah them passed on have everyone really taken care of like mind body and spirit look out for each other look after each other i think that's the way that we are going to heal um our country and our planet I feel that way a lot with COVID too, like where, you know, all of a sudden we were like, our food source wasn't so stable. And uh, I think we're all just a little bit like, um, we don't want to do this again. Like, we don't want to do this again. So how do we make this better for ourselves and, um, and our communities? Because we just have really have gotten so far away from like that sense of community. Like, um, I, I really feel that. So it's cool. It's really cool to hear those values. Yeah, when COVID happened, like all of a sudden we're like, oh, maybe we can't depend on Smart. Um, <laughs> and then everything happened in June with George Floyd. And we're like, oh, maybe we can't depend on like militarized police. Like, oh, maybe we <laughs> differently. Like we should be able to like protect ourselves and we should be able to um, take like sustain ourselves. You know, it's yes. like, yeah, I think we're all having this collective moment of looking around and being like, uh <laughs> yeah for sure for sure it's like it's really like where do we go from there it's, it's a necessary moment though you know I'm I'm actually glad it's here I wish it wasn't like I wish it was different we all do but uh yeah, yeah. But sometimes it has to come to that like that's um also what Savannah was saying that like it's the, the most American thing you can do is to protest like what was our country founded on it was it was people who were rebelling against tyranny and saying, you know what, fuck this, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's that spirit that of our of the quote unquote like founding fathers, or whatever. It's that spirit that I think is one of the best parts of being American. To me, that's one of my favorite parts of what it is to be American. There's a lot that I don't like. There's a lot I'm not proud of. There's a lot that I reject, but. I'm the daughter of a veteran. I'm a daughter of a Vietnam veteran. I'm the granddaughter of a World War II veteran. I'm the great granddaughter of a World War I veteran. Like, it's been instilled in us what these American values are. And my dad um, 
actually is a really interesting perspective. He's the one who showed me that you can be patriotic, you can love your country, and still demand better. Yeah. A lot of people don't feel that. So, yeah, it's like either you love your country or you don't. Like, either, like, we love it or we're moving. (laughs) Yeah, but that's not, that's that's so not the way. And, like, that's what he's always tried to instill in me. And and apparently it worked. But, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, he was, he, he was telling me that, I guess, this is a total side story, but my dad was saying how, like, even when he was in Vietnam, he was friends with all the Black Panthers. And they were, like, they would hang out and he, they, like, gave him... Uh, I remember he was talked about like a necklace that they gave him and um, they all had a really like close bond. And that was like that little story in a nutshell is, is that's America. Yeah. Like that's America. That, that's it. Like you can all be putting your lives on the line for the same thing and you can fight next to each other. And it's, and that's the most. Yeah. Look at how you're carrying that on now. You're carrying his legacy. (laughs) So, uh, what else did I want to say? There's something about um, mental health. Oh, Savannah, let's talk about activism and mental health. Before we wrap up here, I think this is like... I'm all for it. Yeah, like this is a discussion. Um, What do you want to say about that, Savannah? Um, I mean, I feel like... Um, a lot of the things I've, I've already said, I guess, kind of correspond with the same thing, like, and how you're wrapping in self-care and stuff. Like, it's good to be involved in what's going on and wanting to see change. But to be honest, like, if you can't make that positive, comfortable change with yourself, there's only so much you can do without going crazy and insane. <laughs> yeah. So, no. Yeah. So for for me on that, like it's I I don't agree with the you can't if you can't love yourself you can't love anybody else if you if you can't like create change of yourself you can't create change in the world I'm not saying that it's totally possible but you yourself first and foremost should always be first your feelings your thoughts your mind your body should always go first so when you're doing these things remember to take that step back and look at yourself and reflect because you could be fighting for the right thing, but still be doing the wrong thing yeah. for yourself and, and the people no. you're around. So like, um, I guess that's like, maybe I honestly, I that, that like, <laughs> I don't know why you guys just went there, but Hey, thank you. Because, um, when all this started happening, I mean, I, I told you guys a little bit about my experiences in Milwaukee, but that was eye-opening for me. That was the first time I ever realized that our country honestly had a big effing issue. Like, um, I walked right into it, and it was um, something I couldn't ignore. And so since then, I've done, like, my own sorts of research uh, back to the Civil War, before the Civil War, from 1619, like, um, on. And I don't know it all, and there's so much that I don't know. But um, I will say that... When everything, um, when George Floyd was murdered, we, like, I wanted to fight the good fight. And I was, like, putting statuses up. But then I just would look at them in hindsight. And I'm like, I think you're missing the point. Like, I don't think what you're doing right now is, like, constructive. Um, For whatever reason, it just didn't feel right. And then um, 
I would be getting in fights with people, but then like, I, I don't know. I just, I felt unbalanced. Like I felt like what I was doing wasn't coming from the right genuine place that it needed to come from. Um, so I deleted my Facebook, but you see all these things on Instagram. That's like, if you're not using your voice, then you're not like solving the problem. Or like, if you're taking a step back, then you're part of the problem. And then I feel guilty because I'm like, here I am. I did do at least some educate, like some, um, learning on this like I probably can use my voice and I'm not and I felt really guilty um but at the same time it's like if you don't take care of your like I don't know every time I was doing it I was like that I don't know so hopefully that speaks to what you were saying right you can't pour from an empty cup yeah right planes going down you you're you can't put someone else's oxygen mask on until you put your own on Mm -hmm. like you've got it you've got to look out for for yourself above mm-hmm. all else you have to um you have to be able to rest when you need to there's there's nothing wrong with resting rest in this society that is constantly pushing you to go 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 more 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 consume 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 earn money earn money earn money like there's so much pressure that mm-hmm. rest is an act of rebellion and it's powerful because if you're going to keep up a sustained effort of, of activism for your entire life, then you need to show up centered and humble mm-hmm. and, and balanced. And you can't, if you're not there, do what you need to do to get there because we need you in this fight. And we can't have, you can't show up. You can't, you can't show up. You just can't like, you can't because it goes wrong. Like, I don't know what it is, but it goes wrong. And then you're fighting over something. That's not the point. And you're maybe causing more problems. So you get easily distracted. There's a lot of people who are easily distracted, especially in the conversation of black lives matter, which is a full complete sentence. And I don't know why people think grammar anyway, but like people frustrating. By that. It is frustrating, and, and that takes a toll on your mental health. Like, mm-hmm. that frustration and that constantly, like, you feel like you're just screaming into an echo chamber. Like, you're just screaming into the void because people, <laughs> some people will just fight you and fight you and fight you and fight you because they don't want to under they don't want to hear what you're saying they're committed to not understanding you can you guys maybe like sorry i don't mean to cut you off but can you like speak to maybe like what that's like because when i do get pushback as an activist i have a hard time like being like that's their problem not mine i take it on you know like you take it on and then you're like am i doing the right thing like how do you guys deal with that i'm sure you (laughs) What I'd like to say on that is, um, like, with the the fight back and stuff like that, um, Facebook's, like, a, a huge factor, right? The Internet's a big thing on that. People start, you like how you were saying you had major, major backlash um, on stuff you were posting and stuff, and I see that stuff all the time. When it comes to things like that, I just try to find, this is going to sound very, like, you know, uppity and stuff, but honestly, like find peace in knowing that you're on the right side and use the education you have to educate them. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to make you so freaking angry and you're going to be pissed off because this person's (laughs) calling you bad names and saying you're dumb and all this other stuff. But the best thing that you can do in situations like that is just be like, okay, well, 
they're ignorant. Whether they're choosing to be ignorant or they're just ignorant because society has done them wrong and betrayed their education. Mm -hmm. I'm going to educate you, give you the resources. This one time, I'm not going back and forth with you. I I literally have a folder on Facebook with links so that when I see certain responses, I can just easily be like, here you go. Because especially being part of creating change, like we're here to educate. Yeah. And I, I, I realized that that's the most important thing. So I give it to them. A lot of people tell me the F off, call me a bitch, tell me I don't know what I'm talking about, all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I gave you your resources. If you choose to explore more, I hope you do. That's awesome. If not, I'm sorry that you're choosing to be in the dark, but I hope you find the light someday. And that yep. probably sounds, like I said, no, so I like, brilliant. like I'm better than you and stuff. But honestly, like, that's the only way, like, as far as mentaling, mentaling, balancing mental health, too, throwing that in there and stuff is, like, it will drive you crazy arguing with people who, like, whatever. But if you know you're right, same thing with, like, your feelings and knowing your feelings are valid. If you Mm -hmm. know that you're on the right side, then follow through with that. Because we have the facts. We have the science. We have the education. We have the experience. There's no one can tell us anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And no, I think that's there like anything else you want to add, like as far as like events coming up or anything. Uh, yeah. So creating change, um, FTP for the people, um, August 30th is going to be one of our last, actually, I lied to you. It's actually going to be our second to last workshop, um, happening. Um, it's on the prison industrial complex. It's going to be happening August 30th. You can find out more info about that on our Facebook page, Creating Change for the People. We also have an Instagram, is Creating Change for the People, um, Creating Change FTP, rather. And then our Twitter is change F- at Change FTP. Um, you can find more info about our workshops through there. We have a mutual aid marketplace going on right now, uh, all the way up until every Wednesday of August. We're going to be picking up donations. September 12th is the actual day. Again, you can find more info about that on our social medias. And we are going to have one last installation of our workshop. It's going to be on the race class narrative. We don't have an exact date picked out yet, but it is going to be in in the beginning of September. So if you're interested in that, it's kind of a a lot of things that we mentioned in this podcast, actually. We touched on a lot of um, subjects and topics that have to do with the race class narrative. Um, You can find out more about that on, like I said, our Facebook page and our socials. And um, our, our email is creatingchangeftp at gmail.com. In case you want to get more involved, volunteer, ask more questions, um, literally whatever you want to see, we'll help you out with that. We're really big on community work, so we want to hear from you and what you want to do. Awesome. I have to say, like, I'm really grateful that you both took the time to speak with me today, really, because um, I learned a lot, and I think my listeners will really enjoy having to listening to what you have had to say and I I really respect you like just in a huge way like everything you're doing for the community your attitude uh you've had like you said I know you don't like to use the word struggle I don't either we've all had our things in life but to see you here speaking how you're speaking about things and just teaching us about it like I don't know it's inspiring and uh, Scranton needs it so thank you um is there anything else you'd like to add um, not really. Just thanks for having us. Um, the people who have listened and stuff, I really hope you stuck around and you learned something. Uh, I hope you look more into what we're about. Um, because we care a lot about you just because you're part of the community and you're one of us at the end of the day, creating change is for the people. It is the people 
made by the people. That's literally everything we do. Um, so yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, mm-hmm. And thanks for letting us share and talk about stuff. This was really awesome. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it too. And um, and I don't know if my listeners know because I'm going to edit it out, but we did lose Eileen. <laughs> she uh, had some technical difficulties, but we'll make sure to know that we're grateful to have her too and her insight. And I am looking forward to seeing you guys again because I promise it won't be the last time. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. me too. So you have a great day, okay? You too. Thanks. All right. Thank you. So there you go. Was that not so wonderful? Because, well, I just, I thought it was kind of wonderful because, like, I felt really vulnerable and I just said what I thought and they were like, here is some info. It's related to how you're feeling. And then I understood. And my suggestion for you is to find a way to make that magic happen in your life. Communicate. Ask the hard questions, feel uncomfortable, see what happens. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Uh, I have links in the show notes to uh, CCFTP's social media. I had a wonderful time speaking with them, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, If you are interested in donating to the show, feel free to reach out. Or if you are interested in being on the show, also feel free. My email is howwegetby.podcast at gmail.com. And the Instagram is howwegetby underscore. So reach out to me uh, with any feedback or any suggestions for the show. I would always love to hear from you. The best thing you could do is share the show with a friend um, or on your social media. Um, Always looking for that and... Again, would love to interview um, anybody. I am looking for people in all walks of life to share their story. Uh, The music that you hear in the beginning of the end of the episode is by Joe Burke. Go check out his music. You can find it on all the major platforms. And if you're local, you can get his vinyl um, somewhere nearby. I don't know. You can check it out. I'm sure it's on his website and all of that fun stuff. And other than that, I hope...